service. Let's stand together. Romans chapter 5. We'll begin our reading with verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And uh, my apologies to our, our youth. And I do want to say while, they're, while you're turning there, uh, some, sometimes there is confusion uh, we had our promotions uh, back on Memorial Day weekend where we were promoting kids from one class to the next, and we had some kids that promoted from uh, our primary class to our junior high class. Uh, but if they are 11 years old, that does not necessarily mean that they're in youth group yet. They are in youth group once they turn 12 years old, which Franklin just turned 12 years old. Is that... Is that why they kicked you out of kids' church right now? <laughs> Welcome to the youth group, man. <laughs> so, and our youth will be in here uh, for the next few weeks. Of course, they'll be in and out of the Quad Cities because of camps. So, you guys are in here tonight. I know a good chunk of you will be gone next week for junior high camp and then the following week for senior high camp. Uh, Romans chapter 5 We'll begin our reading with verse 1. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are able to be at peace with God because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of his atoning sacrifice, his death, burial, and resurrection, we're able to have access. In fact, it goes on to say, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory, this is a strange phrase here, we glory in tribulations also, in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And everyone say amen to the word. Amen. amen. I want to teach for a little while hope from tribulation. Hope from tribulation. Let us pray and ask the Lord to speak very clearly to us this evening on however he wants to speak to us, whatever he wants to speak about. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this evening that we have together. Thank you for this time of instruction. I pray, Lord, that your word will be spoken. I pray that your spirit... The voice of your spirit will be heard in this place and that we will have an ear to hear it and receive it into our hearts and apply it into our lives. I thank you for this wonderful church family that I am privileged to be a part of and to serve. And I pray, Lord, that I will fulfill my calling as an under-shepherd tonight to feed the flock of God over which I have been made an overseer. I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen the saints. I pray that you will convict us of our sins and challenge us to live, Lord, in righteousness and correct us where we need correction. And Lord, our eyes are upon you. Our ears are bent towards your word. Have your way in this place tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 Hope from tribulation. God bless you. You may be seated. 
I would like to propose that what we see or are introduced to here is somewhat of a ladder. It's a ladder. Uh, maybe you've uh, heard reference climbing the corporate ladder. Uh, this, is, this is a much better ladder to climb. I promise you that. It's a ladder that begins in tribulation, but it ends in hope. And it's a type of hope that does not disappoint. Hope that makes not ashamed. And I want us to begin just at that bottom rung and work our way up this ladder from tribulation to experience, from experience to patience, or excuse me, from tribulation to patience, patience to experience, and experience to hope. Because I believe that if we could get the principles that are found in this scripture and what the Lord would like to communicate to our hearts tonight, that we could live through whatever this world throws at us in a much better perspective and point of view. Tribulation, the Bible speaks a great deal about tribulation. And uh, I would like to... to I would like to think that uh, any trouble or tribulation that you and I are living through that, you know, it's a result of, you know, the world at odds against the church, the enemy of our soul at war against the church. But the reality is, if we are honest with ourselves, that most of the trouble that we are in is trouble that we often get our selves into. We've got a couple witnesses. I'm glad, glad I was able to hear a couple witnesses on that point. Yeah, the trouble that we experience is a trouble that we often get ourselves into, perhaps even the majority of what modern day Western culture Christians face is a good dose of self-generated mess, a self-generated tribulation. And for this there is a cure, and the cure is called conviction. And that is something that we should willingly embrace from time to time as the Lord sees fit for us to have a good dose of conviction. Where we would like to blame the devil for our trouble, and we would like to blame the world for our mess, but sometimes we ought to just stop and realize that we have nearly blindly allowed our foolish hearts or our emotions to determine the direction of our lives, and it has gotten us into trouble. It has gotten us into trouble. And we would like to think that the Lord would never put on us more than we can bear, but we are very good at putting more than we can bear on ourselves. We somehow think that we could handle things that we were never meant to handle. We somehow convince ourselves that we could carry all the cares that this world will bring and introduce into our lives when he invites us openly to cast our cares upon him. But somehow we still are convinced that we could wrestle with our own cares. We could wrestle with the cares of life. We want to handle them ourselves. In fact, even among us are the most stubborn who will not only not allow God to help you, but you won't even allow your spouse to help you. You'll clam up, you'll shut down, you'll isolate, even from the person that is nearest to you that the Lord said is supposed to be your helpmate. 
but you have been deceived into thinking that you can take care of it by yourself. You mean no ill will. You're, you're not doing it because you're, you're trying to be some kind of desperately wicked person. You've just been convinced of the age-old deception that originates in our own flesh. I could handle this by myself. And the opposite is exactly true. We, uh, we even convince ourselves that we've been blessed lately. Oh, man, the Lord blessed me with fill in the blank. And what, what it seemed like just a day or two ago, you were, you were calling a blessing has somehow transformed itself into this awful curse. And it has brought you more grief than joy, sorrow than gladness. And for that, I read this scripture to you from Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. If what you are calling a blessing is bringing into your life sorrow, it's time to redefine what a blessing is. The blessing of the Lord will make you rich and will not bring sorrow into your life. I don't have it pulled up, so I can't exactly quote it or reference it, but I read from that same wise book the other day from the book of Proverbs. The wise men said it is it is foolish to strike hands with someone and to essentially have someone be security for you. In modern day vernacular, it's saying this, it is foolish to co-sign with someone, especially a friend of yours. That's what the Bible says 4,000 years ago. But somehow we convince ourselves that we need something so badly that even though we don't have the credit for it, we don't have the finances for it, we're going to get it, we're going to figure out a way to get it, and then once we get it, we'll immediately call it a blessing from the Lord until it's no longer a blessing, and we realize that we have buried ourselves with a debt that we cannot pay. And not only are we destroying our credit, our finances, our peace of mind, but we're also destroying the relationships with the people that we loved and loved us enough to co-sign with us. I'm sorry, you didn't come for this tonight, did you? I'm just trying to help you. The blessings of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. So what I encourage you to do when we're talking about this bottom rung is let's stop getting ourselves into trouble. Let's start making ourselves available to the help that God has given us, whether it's through ministry, through the church family, through our own spouse, through prayer, through the word of God. Let us position ourselves to stop walking after the flesh, trying to figure it out on our own, doing it by our own might, our own power. Let's stop walking after the flesh and start walking after the Spirit. For the Bible says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Don't stop there. It goes on to say, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. 
He goes on and in verse 34 it says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Before you make that critical decision, whether it's one of finances or relationships or friendships or work decision, a a, a work change, before you make that critical life-altering decision, ask yourself, is this decision born of the flesh or of the spirit? If it's of the spirit, it will allow itself with the word of God. It, it will fi- you'll find yourself at peace with God and with the peace of God ruling in your heart. Galatians 5.16, it seems like Paul couldn't let this subject alone, but he said, this I say then, walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust or desires of the flesh. We often live with short-lived spirituality sometimes in the church. Um, If I could reference to the parable of the sower and the seed that Jesus gave us and the gospel according to Matthew, it is a well-referenced and very familiar parable that I'm sure that many of you have heard before where a parable goes out to sow seed and some falls on the the, the wayside and some on the stony places and some among thorns and thistles and weeds and then some fell on good ground. And then he goes to explain what this is. He says, I am, I'm giving you or referencing a familiar so that you can understand an unfamiliar. He said that seed, which is the word of God, it falls along the wayside and the birds or that wicked one comes and snatches it away before it could take root in the heart. But then there's those that receive the seed in the stony places where there's not much dirt, not much soil. The same as he that hears the word and immediately with joy receives it, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. But when tribulation, everyone say tribulation. Everyone say tribulation. It's a real thing. Tribulation and persecution when they arise because of the word of God. So we're not talking about trouble that you cause yourself. We're talking about the trouble that comes your way because of what you stand for, who you are. He says, by and by, he is offended, produces no fruit as a result of this. You see, we've got to make sure that we have the word of God, not just in our hearts, but let it take root. Let it really be hidden in your heart so that you might not sin against God. Let, your, let his word be that lamp to your feet and light to your path and decisions that you make. There will be trouble that we face for our faith. It's known as the trial of your faith. Essentially, your faith is put on trial so that it could be determined the quality or the strength of that faith. Of course, not only can we look at tribulation that occurs in the world and through church history and is still here in our present, but we can look into the book of Revelation and other prophetic books and we can see that there is a tribulation that is ahead of us known as Jacob's trouble where there will be seven years of tribulation where the peace of God is removed and God's wrath is revealed. And I don't plan to be around for it. I believe that the Lord is going to catch away his bride. But let me, let me just kind of share some scriptures with you. And if you don't have your Bible with you, if you can't look this up real quick, just write these down and, and, and read them later for consideration. 
I want to draw your attention to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to begin my reading, though we could begin with verse 1. And it is a wonderful journey that we're taking on from verse 1 to verse 31 about these heroes of faith, whether it be Abraham or others like him, that, uh, that they did things incredibly by faith. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 32, what shall I more say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon. He said, I'm running out of time. But if I had the time, I would tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Oh, and, and David. We can't forget David and, and Samuel and, and really just all the prophets. These guys, they with through faith, they subdued kingdoms. They, they wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. Someone say, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool stuff, right? Stopping the mouths of lions, quenching the violence of fire, escaping the edge of the sword. Could you imagine, you know, running and getting through and, 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 and experiencing these things and giving each other a high five, you know, when you get out the other side. Man, that was exciting. Man, that was, that was cool. He said, they, 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 out of weakness they were made strong. They, they waxed valiant in fight. They, they, they were strong in fight. They turned to flight the armies of the aliens or the enemies. Even women received their dead back to life again. Now, something gets just wonky here. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it just changes. Like we're talking about all this really cool stuff, right? Like we're on a roll here. I mean, we're on this roller coaster, and it is, it is going 60-plus miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, and you're just, woo, yeah. And all of a sudden, it takes like this sharp left turn, you know, the kind that sends you to the chiropractor. Faith, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Then others, they were tortured. They didn't accept deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection, okay? Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. They, they were beaten and they were, they were mocked in trial with, with those that would lie against them. Moreover, some were in bonds and imprisonment. Some were stoned to death. Others were sawn asunder. They were cut in half. Ooh. These guys, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute. They were afflicted. They were tormented. They're nameless, but they're listed right there with all of those great heroes and patriarchs of the faith. They are on the same plane, the same level, the same honor as David and Samson and, and Noah and Abraham, Sarah, Joseph, all of those great men and women of God, these guys were just as great as them. You, you don't get their name, but they, they were just as great, they, and they did it through faith. It says the, the world is not worthy of these 
You see, they wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Journey with me to Acts chapter 7, and in Acts chapter 7, verse 54, the Bible says that Stephen is preaching, and he gets done preaching. The Bible says that the audience, the congregation, was cut to the heart. They were convicted, but the, 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 the response was less than desired. The Bible, instead of, said, instead of saying that they ran to the altar and repented of their sins, the Bible says they gnashed on Stephen with their teeth. Yet he was full of the Holy Ghost. He looked up steadfastly into heaven. He saw the glory of God. Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. They cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they ran upon him with one accord. They threw him out of the city and then they threw rocks at him until he died. They laid their coats. When they took off their coats to pick up the rocks, they laid their coats at a young man's feet whose name was Saul, who later becomes known as the Apostle Paul. But that's another story, another Bible study for another time. But this Stephen, I don't know. Does anyone else have a problem with this? Here's a guy that is preaching truth. And right there in front of God and everyone gets killed for it. And the guy that takes the credit is someone that goes around yanking men and women out of their homes and throwing them into prison. He, he stays alive. In fact, he ends up receiving grace and mercy and is, is an apostle born out of due season. And he ends up being the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament and books and I don't know, does anyone, like, does anyone see it? Like, this doesn't, man. You go on to Acts chapter 12, and in Acts chapter 12, the Bible says that King Herod stretched out his hand to, to torment the church. And in verse 2 of Acts 12, says that he killed James, the brother of John, with, with the sword. Brother Walker, he took out a sword and killed my brother in Christ. He saw it please the Jews, and so he proceeded to take Peter also. Now, Peter, he's, he's spared, and an angel of the Lord delivers him out of the jail cell, but not, not James. James was brutally killed. But then you, you just do a little bit of church history, and you find that this, is the, this seems to be the M.O. of the disciples, Peter and John, we find in church history, were both martyred in Rome about 66 A.D. During the persecution under Emperor Nero, Paul was beheaded and Peter was crucified. Andrew, he went to, quote-unquote, the land of the man-eaters in what is now known as the Soviet Union. And Christians there claim him as the first to bring the gospel to their land. He also preached in Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey, and in Greece, where he is said to have been crucified. Thomas was probably most active in the area east of Syria. Tradition has him preaching in the Far East as far as India. They claim that he died there when pierced through with Spears from four soldiers at the same time. We go on down. Philip was arrested, cruelly put to death. Matthew, the tax collector, writer of the gospel, 
They say that he was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. You go down the list, Bartholomew, James, Simon the Zealot, Matthias, and John. John seems to be the only one that died of natural causes. He's the one that wrote the book of Revelation and the books of First and Second and Third John. And the only way that he even survived was because of God's protective hand somehow kept him through a, a, a pot of boiling oil that he was put into and somehow supernaturally survived that. And then he was left as a prisoner on an island by himself to live out the remainder of his days. I'm talking about your brothers, your sisters in Christ, our family, our brothers, and, 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 and they're the ones that, that the, the foundations of the new Jerusalem are going to be named after. They're, they're the ones that you kind of look to as a pattern to follow. They're the ones that were the leaders of the church, and you would think that a, 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 an almighty God, a loving God, would see this. How could he allow it to happen? How could he let this happen? There's a promise of persecution found by Paul's hand in his second letter to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, which I do find a bit of irony in that statement. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, as though perhaps there is an alternative there's some that will not live godly in Christ Jesus. They might not suffer persecution, but the ones that live godly, they shall suffer persecution. There is a promise that we all have who will live godly in Christ Jesus. Who's ready to claim their promise here today? I said, who's ready to claim that promise today? You're not sure if you should clap or not. The young people, they're already in camp mode. They're like, preacher just got a little loud. It's time to clap. <laughs> I heard promise. He got louder. That, that means clapping time. I'm ready to claim my promise. The promise of persecution. Praise God. Bring it on me, Lord. I'm not talking about the trouble we get ourselves into that we would like to gripe about and complain to God, God, don't you even love me? And God says, I do, but do you even love yourself? Come on, stop killing yourself with these things that you are putting in your life and on your life and are stressing you out and killing you. I'm giving you help. Take the help. I'm giving you a tool of prayer. I'm giving you the body of Christ. I'm giving you the ministry, all that could be there to help you through life. But listen, Let's take a good long look at the things that we're going through and let's just for fun, let's just take it and put it on this pulpit tonight and compare it to what the disciples went through and compare it to what is listed in Hebrews chapter 11 and let us remind ourselves what Paul wrote Timothy that all that will live godly will go through persecution, evil men and seducers, they'll wax worse and worse deceiving and being deceived but continue thou in the things that thou hast learned and have been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them and that from a child you have been known to have the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's 
good for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. What he's saying is you have a promise to go through persecution, but just remember you got the word of God. You got a sword that's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's quick. It's powerful. It will instruct you how to live right. It will correct what is wrong. It will rebuke you when you're out of sync with the spirit. Go ahead and pick up the sword, somebody, tonight. Pick up the sword. Pick up the word of God. Pick up the mighty tools and weapons that we have in our arsenal. Somebody say amen. We're just on the bottom rung. The rung is persecution. And I, I, I've got to say this, tribulation. I've got to say this because I feel it in my spirit. We are living in a day and a time where our world is growing increasingly more anti-Christ. It's just the reality in which we live. It's the climate. That doesn't mean that we've got to just embrace it and we just got to go with it and it's just what is. I believe that there is room in Scripture for us to pray and, and, and believe and, and, and strive to see a revival in our community, in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our school. Hey, we don't just have to lay down and give way to the enemy and let him do what he wants to do in our culture, in our school systems, in our workplaces. No, I believe that he that he that can oppose the working of the prince of the power of air has not been taken up from the world yet. That's you. That's me. That's the church. That's the spirit of God through us. We have the ability to stand up and say this is right and this is wrong. This is true and this is false. And we've got to stand for what is right. And listen, don't misunderstand me. I'm, I'm not talking about somehow picketing and, and rioting and standing outside of our city hall. I'm talking about teaching Bible studies and hitting your knees in an altar, and praying in the clothes of the prayer and saying, Lord, let me be a light in this dark world because somebody has to see the light and it's got to shine through me. Tribulation, tribulation, tribulation. I dare say, Brother Joe, I, 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 I'm not wishing this. I don't misunderstand me. I'm not wishing this upon us. But I, 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 there's something in me that thinks that the troubles that I face now that I feel are overwhelming, I'm going to wish I had when real trouble comes. Does anybody else kind of feel that, that, that nudge, that intuition, if you will? That, that there's going to come a day if the Lord tarries his coming and, and, and things continue down the path they're on, that there's going to be a day where we look back. It's, it's, it's like being a parent, right? And I know we've got our teenagers in the room, and I'm just going to say it like you guys aren't even here. So you get to hear something that pastor would say to your parents. But, but it's kind of like as parents... You, you look at your kids, and they're going through something, and they're boohooing. You know, I mean, it's the end of the world. And you're like, child, if you only knew. <laughs> like, you think you got problems. You ain't got problems. <laughs> and, and, and I wonder if, if, if there is a day still yet in our lifetimes, if the Lord should tarry, that we're going to look back at, 2022 and 2020 and 2021, and we'll be like, we thought we had problems then. We didn't have problems. We didn't have persecution. We didn't have tribulation. All right, 
let me just kind of pause for my notes and say this. Look up. Look up. In the spirit, look up. Get a broader perspective. See what God is doing. Look at his word. Look in the spirit. Get yourself in a place of prayer where the Lord kind of pulls back the curtain and, and, and lets you realize that what you're looking at that doesn't make a lick of sense is only a small piece and a grand puzzle that he is putting together, a masterpiece. And just continue to play the part that God has you in now. Someone say yes. Look up. See the things that are eternal. Oh. Hallelujah. See those things that are eternal. And understand that everything that is seen is only temporary. And everything that we so ardently and, 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 and strive for here in this world, whether it be riches or popularity or, or whatever it is, all of these things one day they are going to be burned to a crisp. They're going to be burnt up with a fervent heat. Look up. Look at heaven. See the eternal things. And I believe that we could have a, a, a more proper perspective where we see and value the things that have an eternal significance to them. Oh, glory to God. You see, it's really just the bottom rung that sometimes gives us the most trouble. You just got to get started. You just, you just got to put one foot on tribulation. And say, okay, let's get this journey up this ladder started. Because I don't want to stay at tribulation. I want to get to hope. I want to get to hope. So tribulation works patience. And patience is a divine attribute actually of God. You see this in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. And among many other places in scripture. But Galatians 5, 22, it lists the fruit of the spirit, which is what? There we go. Some Sunday school beneficiaries, students, and teachers in the room. Love, joy, peace. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Which one did I? Sister Bella. I love you. I mean, right now and, and all the time, too. Long-suffering. That's right. I skipped over long-suffering. And she caught it. You see, patience is actually a divine attribute. The fruit of the Spirit are the attributes of God. They're his, they're his character. That, that's him. And so the fruit of the Spirit, it, it is when you have his Spirit and you allow yourself to walk after the Spirit or follow after the Spirit, and just as a, as a natural but really a supernatural just kind of result of your life like that, it produces the attributes and the nature of God in your life. I'm not talking about a love that's being promoted during the month of June. I'm talking about a genuine, perfect love that casts out all fear. I'm not talking about a peace that's momentary because you got a raise or because you, you, know, you got some money in the bank. I'm talking about a peace that whether you got money in the bank or not, you know that God is in control, a supernatural peace. I'm not talking about a joy that's momentary and fleeting because things are going your way and the sun is shining. No, I'm talking about a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. It's talking about the joy of the Lord that is your strength. 
These are my attributes, God says, and I'm going to let you experience them in your life as you allow my spirit to lead and guide you. You're going to experience my very strength. My very nature is going to be inside you. It's going to flow through you. This is what God is saying, the fruit of the spirit. It is unnatural for us to have, if we were to have an orchard of apple trees and there was a tree among them that produced no apples, it would be unnatural. You would wonder what is wrong with this tree. It's not producing any apples. The trees all around it are producing apples, but this tree is not. What is wrong with it? You see, it is an exception. It's something that's wrong. It's proving that there's something sick or wrong with it. You see, that should be the same way within the body of Christ. If there is a believer that is not producing the fruit of the Spirit, we should diagnose what is going on. Lord, search my heart. Lord, search my spirit. Search my home. What is off that's keeping the fruit of the Spirit from being produced in my life? So patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It is part of the divine nature of God. And patience is a result of tribulation. I know that, I know, I, I know people have been cautioned against praying against, uh, you know, praying for patience. Don't pray for patience. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy. It sounds very similar to Romans chapter 5. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith, the trial of your faith, works or produces patience, and let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I'll tell you what, don't even pray for patience. That's okay. I don't have a problem with that. Don't pray for patience. You could if you want to. Don't be scared of it. Stop. Stop being scared. You're not a scaredy cat. You're not a, I don't like cats. So <laughs> I'm just teasing. Some people were worried for my life after Sunday service and all that talk. I got hate letters in the mail. Not really. But listen, pray, we ought to pray that we become more like Christ. Christ is patient. Christ, it's long-suffering. But really, patience is not proven lest it is proven, <laughs> lest it goes through something, through trial, through tribulation. It's that bottom rung, but go ahead and step on that bottom rung and let patience have her perfect work inside of you. <laughs> Get off the bottom rung, though. Get off the bottom step. Climb the ladder of hope. What I mean by that is if, if in tribulation, if in trouble, if in persecution, you have no patience, guess where you're going to stay? <laughs> you ain't getting up on that ladder of hope any higher than the first step. Go ahead and through prayer and through the the word being fed into your life and through the fellowship of the saints, let patience develop in your life through persecution where you could grow up in Jesus Christ, in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord, where you say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures beside still waters, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, Lord. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they, they keep me. They guide me. Go ahead, Lord. Uh, 
Somebody, I feel the witness of the Holy Ghost in this place. I know it's a Wednesday night, but let me just go ahead and preach to you. I I don't know what you're going through, whether it's at work, at home, in your health, in your finances. If you feel like tribulation has let loose in your life, there's trouble. Number one, you need to surmise whether it's because you have burdened it upon yourself or if indeed it is a trial of your faith. Whatever it is, set it right and get a hold of the patience of God. Woo. I feel the Holy Ghost right now in this place. Forgive me. I know it's 8 o'clock. I'm done. But listen, go home with this word. Go go home with this word. Somebody go home and in the spirit, take a deep breath in and say, Selah, God is with me. I won't be afraid. God is with me and I have not been forsaken. God is with me and he's a strong tower that I can run into and I could find safety and help in time of need. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're climbing. We're climbing the ladder of hope. We're going to put our foot down on tribulation and we're going to let patience develop in our life and patience will work experience. Experience is a proof. It's a trustworthiness. But listen, it will work in you hope. And this kind of hope doesn't make a shame. It doesn't disappoint. I'll tell you why I know this. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. If you got the Holy Ghost, you have a hope that does not disappoint. It will get you from tribulation to glory and beyond. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I love you, Jesus. Oh, remain standing together with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me read this scripture in closing from Luke. Write it down if you can and read it later. Luke 21. I will read this and let the word speak for itself. Jesus says, when you shall hear of wars and commotions, don't be terrified. For these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences. Fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. And you shall be betrayed, both by parents and your brothers, your kinsfolk, your friends. Some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. I'm not, I'm not rejoicing over that. I'm not looking forward to that. But hear the word of the Lord. There shall not a hair of your head perish. God is saying not a hair of your head will perish. And in your patience possess ye your souls. What's got a hold of your soul? Let patience have her perfect work in you. Trust the Lord. Lift your hands all across this place, every one of you right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
I pray, Lord, that this word will strengthen us to our very core. I pray, oh, Lord, that we would realize the power of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus and that we set our sights on things which are above and not beneath, that we set our affections on heavenly things, on eternal things, and not things that are temporary of this earth. I pray that you would strengthen us, oh, Lord. Strengthen us through the trying of our faith and tribulation. And, Lord, wisen us up, Lord. Help us to be wise and to understand if we are indeed taking on trouble that we were not meant to bear. Teach us, oh, Lord, to cast our cares upon you. Teach us, oh, Lord, to allow our church family to bear with us our burdens. Teach us, oh, Lord, to partner together with the help me that you have us, have with us in our lives. And, Lord, I believe that we can walk through whatever trial. We can walk through whatever trouble. And by the grace of God, we will overcome. We will go through tribulation and come out the other side with hope, hope that does not disappoint. And we know this by the Holy Ghost that you have shed abroad in our hearts. Lord, we put our faith in you. We put our hope in you. We will put on the whole armor of God. We will cast off the works of the flesh. We will put on the armor of light. We will stand, having done all to stand. Oh, Lord, gird about our loins with truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise? We thank you.